Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. I am so glad that you're here today. Honestly, I, like, I'm really glad you're here today. Welcome to those of you that are watching Auditorium 2, those that are joining us online, uh, watching on a screen somewhere. I think you're here on a historic day for us. Um, we're starting a new series today and excited about what God's going to do through this. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17, we'll be looking at that here in just a moment. I'm, how many of you grew up in Ohio? Okay, so, so a lot of us, probably the majority of us, and you probably had somewhere along the lines you had, I remember having Ohio education. Do you have that class? Like you had Ohio history, do you know what I'm talking about? I had to do that in high school and then all throughout like elementary school having these different classes. I can remember probably second or third grade when you actually learned about the actual person, not just the legend of a guy named John Chapman. John Chapman wasn't born in Ohio. He was, he was born in Massachusetts, but he spent... His, his life traveling what we would, I suppose, call the Midwest today, largely Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, parts of West Virginia. And uh, his, his uh, motive as he traveled around to these different places is that he would plant apple trees. He would plant these trees with a very great purpose. Uh, legend would tell us that he just kind of haphazardly would walk around and throw seeds around. But actually, when you look into it, he was very strategic about he, what he did. And he went to strategic pieces of land and he planted these seeds so that the trees would grow. And he had something in mind, both as a businessman, but then also as someone who was what you would call a nurseryman. He worked in providing these, these nurseries of apple trees. His goal was this. He saw where people were going to be. He looked at the parts of the land where there would soon be settlers coming into, and he said, before they get here, I'm going to plant these trees so that when they get here, those trees will be here, and then there'll be this fruit. He was very strategic, and he saw that when he planted the seeds in that day, he was making sure, ensuring that there would be fruit at a day in the future. The seeds that were planted then would then be the fruit of tomorrow. History knows that his name is John Chapman. Legend calls him Johnny. Okay, so you know who I'm talking about, Right? And you see these pictures of this dude, he's barefoot and kind of raggedly dressed, wearing a pot on his head. You know what I'm talking about? And oftentimes you look at him, and I can remember, you know, as you're a little kid, you're like, oh, that's a cool little story about barefoot Johnny Appleseed. And then you get a little older, you're like, that dude's nuts, right? Anybody else? He's crazy. You better bet he was. I mean, he was eccentric in some ways, but he was crazy strategic. And he was crazy smart. And he was crazy visionary because he knew this. The seeds I plant today will bear fruit tomorrow. That's a critical thing for us to consider. Today's seeds are tomorrow's fruit. So don't take that for granted. Where you invest your time, where you invest your energy, where you invest your resource, where you invest your value, that's what's going to plant seeds today that will then produce fruit tomorrow. And I know this may be a little cheesy, but, but I think this is a really good truth. You can count the seeds in an apple. Like if you cut the apple open, you can look inside and you can count the seeds in an apple, but you cannot count the apples in a seed. True? Right? It's going to produce something. The seeds you plant today will bear fruit in the future. Now, Johnny Appleseed may be a little eccentric and he may be a little crazy, but here's what he was he saw something. Right? He, he saw the future, and he knew that I need to do something today 
to ensure that there will be great fruit in the future to come. That, that's, a, that's a trait of vision. I think it's the way that God has wired us to be able to look ahead, to have a vision, and to see what is necessary in the future. This series that we're entering into that we're calling our Life Change Initiative is really all about that. It's about planting seeds. It's about having a vision. And a lot of it we're going to talk about and use a, a metaphor and a resource of a tree. A lot of you probably got these books last week, didn't you? Our 40 Days of Prayer journals. If you didn't get one, you can stop by the hub. There's a few left there today. We've got some more that are coming in next week. I have been, um, honestly, I've been really just blown away by how many of you have come up and said, man, this has been such a great tool for me. You've been using that SOAP method in reading your Bible. It's been something that's been helpful. I've loved it that we're all, and we'll talk about this a little bit more today, but we're all reading the same thing as a church together. God's speaking through his words to us together, and so it's been a really powerful tool for us. And you'll notice there's a tree right here on the front of that book. At the, at the center of what we're gonna talk about these next few weeks, we're, we're gonna use a tree as a symbol Because a tree is a powerful picture. It's beautiful, it's strong, it's vibrant, it thrives, it's it's life-giving, it's fruitful. And if I'm gonna be honest, that's the kind of life I wanna live. Anybody else? I wanna live a life that's strong and that's fruitful. And it's the kind of church that I wanna be a part of. And the concept that I wanna talk to you about over the course of these next five or six weeks is what we're gonna refer to as the vision tree. How do we allow this tree to be a picture to help us to identify and then pursue God's vision for our lives. Here's where this all came from. Probably, I don't know, uh, 14, 15, 16 months ago, something like that, the end of 2018. I was really just kind of wrestling with God. How how do you want us to communicate what you have in store for us as a church? So I'd been thinking about this. I'd been praying about this. I'd been talking to some people about this. And I just, I want to know, God, I, I I need to know how do you want me to communicate what you want to do for us, through us, what do you want to accomplish in the life of our church? And really, it was just kind of empty. I, I, didn't, I didn't really have anything. I knew, I knew details in some ways, but didn't really know what's this going to look like. And I wanted it to be, be something that would, would resonate kind of in, in my heart from God. And I remember we were, we were going into a, a meeting with some of Calvary's leaders, and we took some time to pray in that meeting. And I was going to talk about some of this that night, but I had no idea how to talk about it. And as we were praying in this meeting, I felt like God said, when you talk about these things, draw it out like a tree. Okay. And so in the process of this, kind of we're in this meeting, and I, and I kind of just went up to the whiteboard as we were talking about it, and I, and I started drawing a tree. Now, you might not know this, but I'm an incredible artist. <laughs> you do know this then. Yeah, you know this? Okay. All right. So, so don't judge me for this, but just kind of, I just, just kind of Drew a tree, and I want it to be, you know, accurate, of course, so I'm going to put a little green on here, right? How's that? You're welcome. And so, uh, so I drew this tree, and so this, this is kind of a picture of what God wants to do and what he wants to work out in our church and in our lives. This is a powerful image to communicate God's plan for Calvary. I want to use this tree to illustrate it. And hopefully over the course of these next few weeks, that tree is going to become an image that's going to help us not only to talk about what God's doing in our church, but also what God wants to do and to help you think about the vision that God has for your life. If, if, you're, if you're new with us here today, maybe you've not been at Calvary that often, or maybe, maybe it's your first time, you're a guest with us today, thank you so much for being here. Today we're going to look at some biblical principles. We're going to talk about something through the idea of this tree, but then even more, there, there's a lot of information that we're going to cover today. 
I want to talk about vision for your life, God's plan through scripture, and especially his vision for our church. It's it's a really special series that we're jumping into. We're calling this our life change initiative because we believe that our vision as a church is life change. That God has called us to allow people to have an encounter with Jesus Christ, that when you enter into that personal relationship with Jesus, it changes your life. When we're making decisions about what we're going to do as a church, our filter is life change. If people's lives aren't changed, then it's not worth doing. And we believe that these next six weeks are going to be critically important. I'm not joking when I say there's something historic about what we're doing here today. These next six weeks are going to be critically important to what God wants to do to help us be a place where he can bring life change to Mommy and Toledo and Northwest Ohio and really do believe the world. And that's why prayer is so important. We've entered into this 40 days of prayer. It's powerful for us as individuals, but it's also powerful for us as a church. And so if you haven't picked up one of these journals or or logged in, there's there's a PDF of the journal that you can get online as well. I would encourage you join with us. We've talked quite a bit about how to do this, but we're using a method called SOAP, and each weekday there's a a passage of scripture that we're going to read together, then you walk through this process of kind of letting God's word speak specifically by his spirit to your heart, and then praying that through. Saturdays there's a day for some reflection, and you can catch up there on that Saturday, and then I love it that that you can bring this with you to church on Sundays. There's a couple of pages there where you can take your notes on this series, which I think is actually really important for this series in particular. You can take your notes right here in this book and have that all together. I'm going to encourage you to, to be praying with us as a church through this series, that you're using the Lord's Prayer as a model, like we've taught the last few weeks. I would encourage you to, even if it's never been something that you've done, that during these 40 days of prayer that you would pray specifically for our church, because I really do believe that God has us in a unique season where we're pursuing his vision for us, and we're going to use a tree to help us to understand it. God dropped this idea of the, the tree in my brain, and I thought, well, what does the Bible say about trees? There's multiple places in scriptures where, where when God is trying to communicate to us what a thriving spiritual life looks like, that he uses the analogy of a tree. Here, here's one we'll come back to. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. Look at this, Jeremiah 17, 7. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. That's a pretty cool explanation, isn't it? And that's the kind of life I want to live. And I love this picture of the roots that go down, go deep and wide, and bring life and nutrients and stability to the tree, of the trunk where the life flows through that trunk, and it gives strength to the tree. It gives a a foundation beyond the roots, up through the trunk for that tree, so that then from the branches, the branches can spread out, and they can provide shade, and they can provide fruit, and they can provide life. There's this beautiful picture here of what God does in our lives and in our church when we look at this picture of a tree, and so we're going to use this as a metaphor for us. And over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to talk about God's vision for your life. My hope is that as we talk about this vision tree, it will help you to develop a strategy for fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life. Far too many times, either as individuals or sometimes in seasons, like we get ourselves in a place where where it's like we're on autopilot, we're just on cruise control, 
And we don't really think about what does God want to do in our lives? Like, what's his purpose? What is his plan? What kind of fruit does he want my life to bear? Scripture is very clear. God has designed you to bear fruit. He's designed you to live a life that thrives. So how do you get to that point? Too many of us go through life without thinking about what God has in store for us, what really matters, how to live with purpose and with energy, what kind of fruit our life is producing. So we're gonna give to you over the course of these next few weeks some tools to help think through that in your life. And we're also gonna gonna talk about God's vision for our church. Where we believe as Calvary's leadership, he's leading us in the days ahead. If you're you're new to Calvary, Calvary was founded in 1951. We'll, We'll tell you some more stories about our founding and about our history as we go through this series. I want to give you a little bit of our background and history, especially if you're new to Calvary, and help you to see kind of where we're at in this process and how God's leading us as we talk about our our vision for the church. Calvary, uh, of course, founded in 1951, a lot of stories of of bold moves and taking steps of faith. One of those was in 2010, we'll kind of pick up there, 2010, Calvary's leadership felt God challenge us to, to move from the location that we were in at 5025 Glendale, kind of right at Glendale and Reynolds, to move from there and to purchase this building, the old Mommy 18 Cinema Complex, 1360 Conant Street, and to make that move and that that was, was how he was leading us. And so we bought the building at the end of 2010, kind of just had our ninth anniversary of owning the building. And then at the end of 2012, right around Christmas of 2012, we moved into this building as our new home and location. So just a little over seven years ago. And God has given us tremendous favor in this location. He has, he has allowed us to see people's lives change. He's given us opportunity like we've never had before. The church has almost doubled in size since the move, and it has been so cool to see what God has done. And he has continued to add people, and people continue to come, not just for, for what happens here on Sundays, but because of what God is doing in our lives through what he's doing here at Calvary. And as we continue to grow in 2015, we, we were able to renovate the chapel that is across the hall and add a service that's over there. We use that facility for, for weddings and funerals, and then we have the service that happens, our chapel service at 10 o'clock uh, as well on Sundays. We've been using Auditorium 2 at that point, kind of as an overflow, that if you, didn't, uh, if you didn't make it to church on time, you were punished by Auditorium 2. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> right, you ever had that feeling? Right, so we, so we were doing that, and it was cool because God kept adding people. And then in 2017, we, we realized we could do Auditorium 2 a lot better, and want to thank so many of you that have been patient through that process, and now we have a live pastoral presence, and we have live worship that happens over there, kind of its own venue and its own service, and that's been really cool. 2017, we were also able to do a process where, where we were able to renovate three of the theaters on the other end of the building and provide more space for our early childhood, our elementary kids, our middle school, junior high, just a really powerful renovation that allowed us to be able to grow again and add more people. But here's what we've known all along, that at some point for our, our times of worship together, that we were going to hit a lid and we were going to be out of room, right? So this room was too small for all the people that were coming, and we knew at some point we were going to hit a lid and we would need a new auditorium. There's, there's, a, there's a concept that's talked about from time to time in I don't know, you call it space management, maybe. It's called the 80% rule. 
I was talking to a friend this week who's in manufacturing, and he said, oh yeah, that's, that's true in my world. I was, I was talking to a friend who manages operating rooms in a hospital, and he says, oh, it's very true in my world. It's very true in the church world. The 80% rule states this, that once a, a, a space has reached 80% of its capacity, for all intents and purposes, you have hit a lid and you're full. When you're consistently at 80%, what it tells you is that if you do not find a way to expand and grow and add more capacity to what you're doing, you will have hit a lid that you will not be able to grow beyond. So once a room is, is considered 80% full, it's basically full and you can't do a whole lot more with it. Now at our 815 service, our first service on Sundays, we're, we're comfortably full. And 1145 is, is a little bit more full, and, and we, we have these different from time to time. But I don't know if you've noticed, 10 o'clock is usually pretty full. Have you noticed that? Like 10 o'clock, we've been busting at the seams. If 80% is the rule, most Sundays we are at 85, 90, or more percent capacity in this room. And that's why many of you have made new friends, Right? Because you, you end up coming in here. And then at that point, we, Auditorium 2, what we found is Auditorium 2 is consistently at 50% or more. And as God has allowed us to see some growth, even in the last few months, we have been as full as 70 and almost 80% capacity in Auditorium 2 as well, which tells us this, we've hit our lid for growth, haven't we? And that's a lid that will keep us from reaching more people. So it's probably a lid we should do something to remove, Right? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love Chad. What a passionate leader you are. You have stirred these people up. Too. So, uh, wait, wait, time out, time out. Let's retry that, retry that. That's probably a lid we should remove, right? So, look, we, we sense as leadership that God wants us to take a bold step. So, what do you do? Well, as we thought about the timing of this, here's what we knew. We did not want to take this step until we knew that the liability of our previous home on Glendale was no longer there and that we had sold that building. So we said, God, that's one of the things that we feel wisdom and direction from you. We're not going to take those steps until Glendale is, is no longer our responsibility. Well, that building sold in April of last year. And so that gave us kind of a green light to say, all right, Lord, yeah, that's absolutely cool. I mean, I mean... We're not only thankful for the blessing that is to us, but the, the property has continued to be a real blessing to our community, and that's awesome. So then we began to pray, God, do we have a green light from you to take these next steps? So our, our, our board, our pastors, our leadership has begun doing due diligence. In July, we started working with architects and contractors to figure out what might this look like. We have been in the process of doing the, the drawings and concepts, and that's been completed over the course of the winter, they will do the, the real hard work of the engineering and the designing and putting those plans together so that we will, as we get into the spring, have real numbers of what this will actually cost for us to do this. We're going to be presenting the concepts of what it would mean to add a new auditorium to our location here on Conant Street. We'll be presenting those concepts to you, the congregation, over the course of these next few weeks that we're going to be asking about funding this process over the course of this series and inviting you to sacrificially be a part of what God wants to do here. Our constitution, and I, I love the, 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 the body process that we have here, our constitution asks that anytime you make a major financial move like this, that it has the approval of Calvary's membership. And so we're looking to seek that approval probably in April of this year so that we can begin construction in July and by the fall of 2021, we'd have a new home to all worship in together. Wouldn't that be cool? 
Now, a couple of thoughts. One, and, and I, I know some of you have probably been through a process like this before, or maybe you know what it's like to, to move from one home into a, a home where you need more space. Look, this is not just about a building. So quickly, when we talk about church, we can often translate church into building. We can make that what it's all about. The building is just a tool. And it's a tool for us, if you will, to be able to plant seed today so that we can bear more fruit tomorrow. There's a vision to say we see what God can do through this. And so we want to make an investment today so that there can be more fruit for eternity that, that is available, that that fruit is, is, is produced in the future. And the building is not an end all. Like I've, I've known people who are like, oh man, we can just get that building. Look, I honestly believe the building is not the finish of anything. It's just the next step of us planting seeds so that God can help to extend our reach and we can bear more fruit. The other thing, this is not just about the building, but can I tell you, and, and this, this, is the, this is the touchy part for some of us in the room, right? This is not just about money. Like, we will talk about money throughout the course of this series because ministry requires money and building requires money. Just like anything else, at some point we need the finances. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad to tell you, I'm not stressed about talking about money. I'm not fearful about it. I know that it's uncomfortable to talk about. And the reality is some of you have been in settings before in a church or you've seen somebody on TV or you've experienced something in some way where people connected to, to a church or connected to God talk about money and they talk about it in a way that is manipulative or forceful or just not in line with scripture or, or maybe twisted from the truth, right? And that's, that's something we definitely do not want to do. And when you talk about money, it's personal, it's vulnerable. For some of us, it's embarrassing when we think of the state of our finances. But one of the things that's really important is to talk about money as biblical, is it not? Like, like, how many of you, did you notice when we, when we read in Matthew chapter 6 this week, Jesus has this whole chunk where he talks about our resources, our treasure, our money. Did you see that? Everybody that said yes did their homework, right? Okay, so just, just so you know, right? It's right in there, right? And so the Bible over and over and over and over again talks about money. So it's not something that we avoid. It's not something that we ignore. It's something that we talk about, not all the time, but in different seasons. Here's, here's what I've come to find out, that that when, when we talk about money in a way that is respectful and biblical and truthful, those of us who understand God's principles about stewardship and are practicing them in our lives, we have no problem talking about it. In fact, oftentimes we like to talk about it because I know the way in which as I've honored God with my finances, it has brought blessing back into my life. Anybody else? Right? And so that's a powerful truth. I've also found this, that when we talk about money in church, those who are unaware of God's principles and then learn them and then apply them to their lives often come back and say, thank you for teaching that because when I became obedient in my finances, I found that God blessed me not only just financially, but physically and spiritually in every other way because I entrusted my finances to him and it brought, breath, it brought blessing then back into my life. I, I just in between services today, I got a message that popped up on my phone and it was a friend who said to me uh, that very thing. He says, I've started practicing biblical principles in my finances and I can't wait to tell you what God's doing. Here's, here's what I've found. For those of us who understand the principles or for those of us who are learning them, we don't have a problem talking about money. 
Usually it's those of us who are ignoring God's principles or not obeying them that have a hard time when the church talks about money. And so we're gonna talk about it some. We're not gonna talk about it all the time, but just about every week, we'll, we'll probably have something that we'll talk about on, on life. Not like, you know what I mean. Every sermon's not just gonna be about money, but every sermon will have a little something about money right here. Here's why. Because it's a critical part of God's vision for the church and for your life. So we'll talk about it from time to time in this series. We're going to look at biblical principles. I mean, here's what I found. 15 years in this seat leading Calvary. Here's what I found. My job is just to talk about it. It's not to manipulate. It's not to to try to force anybody to anything. It's to say, look, here's what God's word says, and here's the need that we have. And then I ask you to pray about it, and then the Holy Spirit works in your life. And as the Holy Spirit works in your life, I found that God always meets our needs. So that's how we're going to walk through this. And remember, this is not about a building. This is not about money. Here's what I believe is happening. God is strengthening our trunk so we can extend our branches. And we're going to use this tree analogy. Here's what I believe is happening in this season, that God is strengthening our trunk. He is allowing us to grow and expand in this season so that through that we can extend our branches, be even more fruitful, and reach more people. Isn't that important? And so that's what we're talking about in this series. Now, here's, 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 here's the deal. We, we've begun to work with the architects. We have some initial images of what the expansion might look like. Would you like to see them? I would love to show them to you next Sunday. So next Sunday, <laughs> next Sunday, we're going to look at those pictures. February, we're going to have a website that goes up the first week of February that will be able to let you go back, look at some different videos. We'll have some 3D walkthroughs that we'll be able to look at. We're going to have some informational meetings on February 11th, 13th, and 15th. You'll be able to sign up for those. We'll tell you more about those next week if you want to come out and ask questions. And and we're we're going to, over the course of this series, we'll, we'll be communicating more and more to you about this process. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, especially those of you who say, yeah, Calvary's, Calvary's my church home. I want you to go on a little journey with me. Like, I, I fully realize that for some of you, this is the first that you're hearing anything about this. And I know that this is something that God's been stirring in in my heart, and our leadership has been talking about this for years. And and I want to invite you to to be open to saying, God, help me to see what you want to do in the life of my church. Each week, I'll probably share with you a little bit about what that process has looked like for me. One of the first steps that, that I had to take, I can remember, it was probably two and a half, three years ago. I had parked in the back of the building early on a Sunday morning, and I was walking in for services, and I was I was on my way in. I just felt like God just kind of dropped in my heart, hey, Chad, I'm not done here. Like, there's a lot more people that I want to reach through Calvary. And if Calvary will be open, if you'll trust me, if you'll be willing to let me lift the lids on this thing, there's a lot more people that I want to reach through this church. God is not done with Calvary. And if we're going to be good stewards of the influence and the resource and the opportunities that he's given to us, you know there's still too many lost people, right? And he wants, I'm glad three of you are excited about that, and, and he wants to use us to touch people's lives. And one of the questions I have to ask myself is, what if we don't? What if we, we just stay where we are? What usually happens in those situations, if I'm just honest, is the tree starts to lose its life and vitality. It stops bearing thriving fruit, 
then I believe that God is not done with Calvary. And as leadership, we believe that it's time for us to take a bold step of faith. Before we jump into a little bit of teaching that I want to give you today, let me challenge you with one more thing. Do not forget this. Like I've been enough through these kinds of seasons in my life and even in leadership to know that it can be real easy to get distracted when you step into a visionary season in your life. Whether it's in your church, maybe you're changing jobs, maybe you're in a new relationship, maybe you're at a crossroads, you get to these different seasons where it's a season, and and we're going to talk about this here in just a moment, where it's a season where something visionary is happening in your life. Not just in the life of the church, but, but for your family, for you as an individual. It can be real easy in those seasons to miss what's going on. Can I show you this? This is not about what God does for us, but about what he does in us. It's not about what he does for us, but about what he does in us. Because oftentimes when we step into one of these visionary seasons, we go into it with a blueprint of what we think God should do. Anybody else? And we say, if God's going to be faithful, he's going to do this. And sometimes, and I'm okay with this, if it doesn't go the way I think it's going to go, I would rather have it go God's way than my way. Anybody else? And so sometimes we start seeking God for what he can do for us, when really it's all about saying, God, what do you want to do in us? What do you want to do in my life? And so today I want to, with that in mind, I want to start talking to you about this concept of the vision tree. And how do we apply some of these things to our lives? And ultimately, it's got to start with the roots. So we're going to talk about the roots here for a few minutes today and how this applies to our lives. Anybody ever like cut down a tree or tried to pull up some shrubs in your house or at your house? If they're in your house, you have a problem. At your house? (laughs) If they're in your house, call a professional. Um, You've ever done it. What's what's the bigger problem? What's above the ground or what's under the ground? Anybody? (laughs) It's always what's under, right? Because those roots go down and they dig deep. The roots are a really important part. Today we're going to talk about the roots of the vision tree. It's an essential part of our lives. Why? Because roots anchor the tree. The roots anchor the tree. They give it foundation. They give it support. They dig down deep. When the wind comes, they hold it firm. They give it stability. The alignment of the tree, how it grows, how strong it grows, it all starts with the roots. So the roots anchor the tree. The roots also feed the tree. They bring nutrients and water and energy. They deal with any kind of competition and distraction that might be coming in the life of the tree. The roots are critical. If you are going to have a tree that is going to thrive and produce fruit, and may I be so bold to say, if you're going to be a part of a church that's going to thrive and produce fruit, and if I can meddle enough to say that if you want your life to thrive and produce fruit, then you got to pay some serious attention to the roots. You got to start here and say, where am I anchored? What feeds me? Sometimes we refer to these things as our essentials, or or maybe core values might be a better term. It's the foundation of our lives. What what are your roots as a person? Or maybe even more, how do you determine the roots for your life? How how do you decide what those roots are going to be? I think there's a good biblical pattern for us. There's a a passage in scripture, you see it in Deuteronomy chapter six, and then the gospels repeat it as well as Jesus said it multiple times. It's called the Shema in the Jewish tradition. It's at the heart of our Christian tradition. And we read this, Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says, love the Lord your God with all your, help me out here, with all your, and with all your, and with all your, and with all your, 
What I would encourage you to do, if you're going to think about this and say, what kind of roots should I have in my life? That maybe you start with that passage of scripture, heart, soul, mind, strength, to determine where, where should my life be anchored? What kind of roots should I have in my life? So, so if we're going to talk about these things, what do we mean when we say these things? Now, and the different commentators, different theologians, they kind of look at this from different perspectives. But based on my research and thought, here's, here's where I would land with this. Let's start by saying, what do we mean when we love God with all of our heart? The heart is the core of a person's identity. It's at the very center of who you are. Your heart is the core of your identity. And so it is the most important thing to you. Solomon in the book of Proverbs says it this way. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Your heart is at the very core of who you are. So if that's true, and, and I'd encourage you to write these questions down because I think it would be really wise for you. You know, in, in this book, you've, you've got a page for some sermon notes, and then there's this second page that's over here. It would, it would be really cool if on that second page, maybe you drew this tree out and kind of wrote down some things about these roots, and then maybe took some time this week to sit down and go, what are my roots? Like, what are my core values? Where is the vision for my life rooted? And think about these things. And if you're going to ask the heart question, I guess I'd ask, what is the most important thing in your life? If you had to prioritize your life and say above anything else, what is the most important thing in my life? That would be that heart root. What would you find there? What is the most important thing in your life? The, the second root we'll talk about, and we'll actually get to this more next week, is what we would call the soul. And this, this word's a little bit tricky. We'll talk about this more next week. But the soul is the seed of your emotions and passions. The soul is what we would call the, the seed of your emotions and your passions. A, a good representation of this comes in Psalm 42, verse 5, when the psalmist writes, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He, he's talking about the, the very inner part of his, his emotions and his passions, his soul. So my question for you, if you're going to consider this, what are you passionate about? Like in your life, not, not just what's most important to you, but how does that play out in your life? Like what are you most passionate about? The, the third route that we'll look at based on uh, that passage of scripture is, is our mind. And our mind would be the intentional direction of your thinking. Your mind is the intentional direction of your thinking. Like, where are you putting your mind? What are you thinking about? What is your focus on? Your mind is the intentional direction of your thinking. A, a, a good uh, maybe way to gauge this comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Peter says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober... Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. So, so God's word says we need to give some real attention to our mind. We, we've talked about this in, in the past in some of our you know, different series. A question I would ask is, how are you developing your mind? Like, like, how are you growing in your thinking? How are you developing your mind? And then the last route that we'll consider, and we'll look at this here in a couple of weeks, is what we would call strength. Strength plays out in, in this way. Strength is, is the expression of your energy. How, how does your energy get expressed? How does your strength show up? 
What is it that you do? I love how Peter talks about this as well. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, watch this. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. My question is, how is God's strength at work in your life? Maybe you ask that question. How is God's strength at work in your life? Now, I know we're running through this real quick. We'll we'll spend a little bit more time on these things. But what we've done over the last year or so as Calvary's leadership is really ask these questions and think about it. Like, how would we communicate what our culture, what our heart, what our core values, what our roots are as a church? And so we've developed kind of four phrases that you're going to hear us talk about over the course of these next few weeks and beyond that help us to express how we as a church can live out our heart, soul, mind, and strength to serve God. Let me give them to you just, just, just real quick, and we'll, we'll talk about them kind of in a little bit of detail over the next couple weeks. The first one is what, what we would just say, God first. Right. Number one is God first, right. that he's at the very center of our lives. He's the most important thing to us as a church. We'll come back to that in, in a minute. The, the second one, we'll look at this next week, is what we would say is people are the priority, that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And if God loved people that much, do you think we should love people as well? The, the third one that we talk about is that healthy things grow. Number three, healthy things grow. And we believe that if something is healthy, if God is at work in something, then it's going to grow and have some vitality and, 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 and life to it. And the last one is, is this. When we talk about strength. We say we get to do this that we get to do this. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. Aren't you glad you don't have to go to church, that you get to go to church? Few of you must have to be here. Uh, That's, (laughs) okay. So here's what we're gonna do then. For the last few minutes today, I wanna talk about this one a little bit, the heart one, and the idea of God first. Because if we're gonna begin this historic process of what God is doing in the church, then I think we need to start here with what's at our very heart, and that God is first. You, you read, uh, I think on uh, maybe Thursday this week, we were in Matthew chapter six, right? And there was a passage there at the end that said, Matthew six thirty three. but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus said, whatever else you're looking for in life, whatever else you need, Whatever goals you have or, or dreams you work towards, whatever needs or desires you face, wherever there may be lack or abundance in your life, whatever it is, you seek first God's kingdom, that you start with God first. And so this week, the readings that we do Monday through Friday are all going to come from, from the book of Psalms. So we'll do a, a psalm each day. And each one was specifically chosen for us to be able to talk about this concept of God first. And I hope that as you'll read it, and you walk through that SOAP method that's here in the book where you read the scripture and then see what it says and then what it says to you and how God wants you to respond, I hope that as you do this, you'll be open and that you'll keep in your mind, God, what does it mean in light of this scripture for me to make you first in my life? That God is first. 
Each, each day this week, there'll be a video that goes up. You can get it either on our Facebook page or the Toledo Calvary uh, uh, YouTube channel. You can go either there where we'll talk about these concepts a little bit and what it means. But I want to take a quick look at these scriptures that you're going to read this week, not because I want to spoil anything for you, but I want you to see what God's word says. One of the things that God's word says to us, number one, is that God is first in my life, that I need to put God first in my life is the first thing that we'll consider. The, the passage that we'll read tomorrow is Psalm 1. And the psalmist writes this, that person is like a tree. Do you see a theme? You see a, you see a theme, right? Okay. Oh, boy. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And when you read this passage, what you'll see is that person who's like a tree is the person that says, God, you are first in my life. You are my priority. They stay connected with God. And we'll, we'll talk about this through our videos as we look at this. The, the second thing you're going to see in these passages, number two, God first in my heart. God first in my heart. Not, not just in my life, but in my heart and, and how I really live this out at the, at the center of who I am. You, you'll see this word heart multiple times in some of the chapters that we read. One of those places will be Psalm 1914. It says this, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Can I be honest with you? So that's a familiar passage of scripture for many of us. Oftentimes when I read that, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord. Usually about that point I go, uh-oh, anybody else? Because my words aren't always as pleasing to God as I wish they were. And my thoughts aren't always in line with God's word as they should be. Is it just me? Is it the person sitting next to you as well? Look, what's it mean for God to be first? That God is first in my words and that God is first in my thoughts. And on Friday, we're, we're gonna read Psalm 51. It's David's prayer of repentance. And what's really important there is that when you go to that passage, that you go to it with an open heart, not with defensiveness, but with a willingness to say, God, if you're first in my life, then maybe there's some things that need to change in my life. Psalm 51, verse 10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I want God first in my life and God first in my heart. Here's a third one God first in my desires. God first in my desires. Psalm, uh, Psalm 23, verse 1, we're going to read the, the 23rd Psalm The Lord is my shepherd. Anybody ever heard that psalm? You've read it before, right? Maybe you've heard it recited in a, in a church service or maybe at, maybe at a funeral or some kind of an event. Any of you have to memorize it when you were a kid, Psalm 23? Any of you can read it or say it in your sleep? You know what I'm talking about? That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> so when you get to that passage, when, when we read this one, I, I think on Wednesday, when you read this passage, try to read this really powerful psalm for the first time. Because when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's talking about a very personal, caring, and intimate relationship with God. A God who leads him and loves him and protects him and cares for him. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd, shall not be in want. He says, God, you're first in my life. 
Because God, you're the source of my needs. There's a company called SpaceX that a couple of years ago announced they were gonna take a, a passenger trip around the moon. They were gonna launch a rocket and have it go out around the moon and people could buy tickets to be a part of that. And there's a Japanese billionaire, single guy, who was the first one to say, I am doing that. And so he has bought a ticket and SpaceX has confirmed that he will be the first passenger to literally be on one of these rockets that's gonna go around the moon. That's, that's his gig, that's what he's gonna do. But he's realized he doesn't wanna do it by himself. So he has hooked up with a Japanese reality TV show called Full Moon Lovers. <laughs> and he is going to find a girlfriend to be his companion to go around the moon. 20,000 people have applied for that opportunity. 20,000 people who love him so much. Isn't that true? Do you think they love him? They want to see the moon. It's interesting. I feel kind of bad for the guy because he's going to go through this whole process of people who are going to act like they love him simply because of what he can do for them. They, they don't love him for who he is. They love him for what he can do for them which sounds an awful lot like my relationship with God sometimes. Anybody else? Look, I'm more interested in what God can do in me than what he can do for me. And I wanna be able to say, God, everything that I have belongs to you. Look, one of the reasons that we talk about finances in this series is because of the project that we're going into will require finances. The other reason is because God's word says over and over and over again how important it is that we honor God with our stewardship, with our finances, with what he's given to us, that we set our desires not on things, but on him. You'll read Psalm 37 this week that says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's in your dreams, in your visions, in your resources, your checkbook, your family, your problems, that if you're willing to say, God, in all these places, I put you first. As we wrap up today, I've just got one question for you. Is God first in your life? Look, we'll, we'll talk about a project a lot over the course of these next few weeks, and I'm excited because I really do believe that historically, God is doing something really special in the life of our church. And as we partner together, we're, we're in for an exciting season of what God wants to do. We're going to talk a lot about a project. But can I tell you that a person is a whole lot more important than a project? And that person is Jesus Christ. And if God's going to fulfill his vision for our church, and here's where I'm more concerned. If God's going to fulfill his vision for your life, you need to be rooted in what he wants to do in your life. And it will only happen if you start by saying, God, you're first. That's what we mean when we say Jesus is Lord, that he's in charge of everything, that God, I give everything to you, that Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Look, as your pastor, I'm really not that concerned about a building today. Today, I'm really concerned about those of you that are at some kind of crossroads, because I, I know from conversations, and I, I know just odds after doing this for a long time. Some of you are at a crossroads today. You're at a crossroad in your education, or you're at a crossroad in your job, or you're at a crossroad in a relationship in one way or another, or you're at a crossroads financially, 
or physically. You're in a season where you're starting something new or you're in a season where you're watching something wrap up and you're in this place and you've got to make some kind of decision or you've got to take some kind of step. Or maybe you're just at a spiritual crossroads. Maybe everything's just kind of okay in life right now. But you're trying to decide how sold out are you on this thing with God. You're at a crossroads and can I tell you, if you're going to find God's vision for your life where you can thrive and be fruitful, it starts when you say, God, I put you first. Our family's been uh, saving up and planning for a little while to be able to take a really cool vacation where we could all go together and have some kind of an adventure. And so last week when I was out of town, we had the opportunity, just our, our whole crew, to go to the, the state of Arizona and see some really cool things. One of the things that we saw was this place called Cathedral Rock in Sedona. Sedona is a really cool place. A lot of people were like, hey, you were in Arizona. I bet it was really nice and warm there. Never got above 50. That's false advertising. We're taking on the state of Arizona. That's called Cathedral Rock. Really cool place. They say that if you're brave enough to hike it, you, you, the, the precipices that are there, you can see the kind of gap in between them. They say if you're brave enough to hike it, crazy enough to hike it, it's about 500 feet up in the air, that gap in between the two big rocks, that you can get up in there. So that meant my kids said we had to do it, so we did. Take a look at this. That's us up there, 500 feet in the air. Did the hike up Cathedral Rock. Can you see how narrow that looks right there where we're standing? Can you see that? It's narrower. I hate heights because heights come with edges, right? I just, oh, I hate it. So that rock that I'm kind of behind now has my fingerprints. My imprints are on that rock from holding on to it. Um, my kids dramatically increased my prayer life throughout that trip as we did that. It was a really cool trip. Goes up about 500 feet over the course of less than a mile. So it's quite a hike, and, and there's these places you get to these little narrow spots where you're just kind of stuck, and you gotta decide, do I go up, do I go left, do I go right? And it looks one way going up, it looks a totally different way coming down. All, all along the way, you get these different crossroads, and you're like, I'm not sure what to do. And what's cool is as you're going, someone knows how, how clueless guys in their 40s from Ohio are, and so they do this. There, all along the way, if you look up to the top right of that picture there, can you see kind of that column that's right there? It's called a cairn. And what it is, is it's a pile of rocks and it's kind of wrapped up in some wire. And you'll see those all along the way that mark and show, hey, this is the way the trail goes. So you keep going towards those piles of rocks. You, you keep going towards those columns. And as long as you're moving in that direction, you know that you're staying along the trail. Isn't that nice? Because sometimes when you get to a crossroad, you just need somebody to say, hey, if, if you don't want to fall off the edge of this thing, or if you want to be successful at what you're trying to do, just, just follow this marker because that's the way that it's going to work. And I was so thankful coming and going that when I hit a crossroads, there was something that said to clueless me, hey, this is the way you need to go. I honestly believe that this message is a crossroad moment for some of you. And in the midst of the decisions that you're trying to make, God's saying to you today, God first, choose me first. If you'll seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, then everything else will fall into place in your life. Just, just, just God first, that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And for some of us, that's a choice we're making. And can I tell you, even this whole series, more than a project, it's about a person. And it's about you saying, God, I put you first in my life. I trust you first. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? Whether you're in this room or auditorium too, or you're watching this on a screen somewhere, listening to this, 
I guess I'd start here. If you would say, God, I'm at a crossroads moment and I choose to put you first today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Because I want to pray for you in just a moment. God, I'm at a crossroads. I put you first. You can raise your hand put it right back down just between you and God. God, I'm at a crossroads moment. I choose you first. I want to pray for you in just a moment. But I also want us to affirm something as a church. That if in your heart you would say, God, I put you first in my school, in my work, in my marriage, in my relationships, in my family, in my friendships, in my spiritual life, in, in my personal life, in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions. God, I put you first. If you choose that today, would you stand with me right where you are? If you would just say, God, you first. Auditorium one, auditorium two, just kind of where you're at. If you would just stand and say, God, I put you first. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. If you're standing, would you repeat this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I put you first in my life today. Thank you for your word that speaks truth to me. I love you, God, with all my heart. Be first in my life. Be first in my words. Be first in my thoughts. Be first in my actions. Be first in my desires. I give myself to you. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I put you first. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, today I pray for those that raised a hand and said they were at a crossroads moment. God, I'm sure that with each hand there are, are layers, thought, and questions, and complexity things that just don't seem clear to them or, or things that they're not sure what to do. God, for some of them, there's, there's a very clear step away from something they know is not your will. And for others of us, God, it's just taking a step of faith out even into the unknown and trusting that you'll lead us. God, I pray for your church at this crossroads moment. I pray for your people at this crossroads moment. God, we put you first. We ask that you would guide us and direct us. Lord, that you would lead us. And as we, as we root ourselves in you, anchored and fed by your spirit, God, would you, would you soar life into us so that we can expand and be fruitful for you? Now, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Father, would you send us out with your special favor? with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.